It's time for the Little Agency That Roars podcast, a podcast that connects you with talented and brilliant people. And that's all of us. We are available wherever you stream your podcast, so go ahead and find us and subscribe. I'm your host, Michael Fasoni, and let's get started. Okay. I'm sitting here with Brendan Horned. Did I say that right? Horned, but yeah. Horned. Yeah. I, I know, like you, it. you wouldn't expect it, but... <laughs> how many people say horned and how many people say horned? Um, I don't think I've ever heard it pronounced horned unless they personally know me or my family, so... That makes me feel so much better. Yeah, no, no don't worry about it, Michael, right? So, Correct, not, yeah. not Macau. Yeah. Right, yeah. <laughs> Correct. We have yet to unpack that, that story. Um, one day I need to do that because people, yeah. Yeah. Because I'm technically not a, a junior. As a result really? of that's that's why oh, he did that. Yeah, right. As a result of dropping the E in Michael, it legally doesn't make you a junior. So he wanted to give me his name. My right. father did, but he didn't want to make me a junior for whatever reason. I get a couple answers on that. Wow. But uh, yeah, so that's why I'm Macau. Caller IDs hate me. Right. <laughs> yeah. You know, I mean, roll call in college because yeah. I went to a small private college. They, they still did roll call. Yep. I was Michelle. Oh, yeah. Um, and you're horned. Yep, I am. Horned. Yep. You're horned. I am. Brendan, not Brandon, horned. Yes. Yep, that's correct. And that's H-O-R-N-E-D. Correct, yeah. Uh, Brendan, you're an author. I am, yeah. And you started your own publishing company. I did, yes. And you did that recently. I did, yeah. No, actually, um, we're just coming up on our one year here in a couple months. It would have to be recent because you're a recent human. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're a young gentleman. Yeah, yeah. I'm only uh, 21 right now, and I started the company at, well, I started the company at 21, and then um, I published my first book at 19. So you started your publishing company before you wrote your book or your novella? Um, so my novella. my no, Well, I, I started my publishing company this year, and my novella was published in 2019. Okay. So a couple of years ago. Um, but you wrote your book after you started your publishing company. Not my novella, but my book, yes. Your book, yeah. which mm-hmm. is titled? Um, it's to be determined. Um, but it's set to come out, hopefully, uh, we're hoping by the end, or by the beginning of next summer. So. Okay. Yes. Okay. And the name of your publishing company mm-hmm. is? Claremont Publishing and Consulting. Yeah. Where'd you get the name? Good question. Um, I get this a lot. So actually in my first book, my novella, um, the main character, his name was Desmond Claremont. And we, my partner Chris and I, were playing around with a bunch of different names and, and, and what we thought might work well. And after just a long week of just like nothing, we were just like, why have we not even just thought about using the name of how it all started? And so, yeah, we started okay. um, using the last name, so Claremont, and then publishing and consulting. We wanted to open the consulting side up so people didn't think that it was just, you know, uh, one-all service where, like, um, you only have to get, like, a full package. You know, you can, get, you can get whatever you want. Do you want to unpack all of that now, or do you want to talk about that later? I feel like you have um, more questions for me on that later, so I'll, I'll wait. I do. Okay, but right. I, I want to get into. Um, I want to quickly talk about your no, not quickly as quickly as you want yeah. to talk about your novella. Okay. <clears throat> yeah. 
Uh, yeah, so it was, uh, it's titled The Spark Before the Flame. Um, and like I said, it was published in 2019, um, I believe the end of July. Uh, so it's about Desmond Claremont follows um, a young gentleman who, in the beginning of the book, and I'll, I'll kind of come back to this later and you'll, you'll see why. Um, in the beginning of the book, he is uh, 21 years old, living in Seattle, and then he kind of goes into his life story before that and um, kind of leading up to where he is now. Um, and it's very kind of like a, a sappy heartbreak that um, dives into like uh, male emotions during like relationships and, and um, heartbreak and, and kind of how he felt and how he overcame that personally. And he might actually be you. So I yeah I get this a lot. Am um, I bringing this up? Should I not bring this up? No, this is this is fine. This is okay. fine. I get this a lot. Is the girlfriend um, gonna care? Well, you know she's already heard the deepest parts of it. So. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah. No. So a lot of people will um, come up to me and say this book's about you, isn't it? And I'll kind of look at them and I'll try to explain it. Of course, they never believe me. Um, but there are bits and pieces kind of based off of my life, and and then I used a large amount of just kind of fluff and storytelling to make the story a lot more interesting because in all honesty my story is not as interesting as the book is so <laughs> you know I had to add a lot of that. I don't know I haven't read it okay yeah no um as I admitted earlier <laughs> but we did chat yes and it may not be interesting to you yeah but something not just any event spark you to write this novella Right. Um, and it was heartbreak. Yeah. Right? Ultimately, yeah. Yeah, no, whenever I started, and this is why I think um, there's bits and pieces kind of scattered throughout the book that are like real life because it was kind of more like therapeutic for me to write about that and um, work through those different things. And then I would go on and be like, wow, you know, this would be a cool story if I added this in or if I changed this and Okay. That, so You're yeah. seeing your own experience in, in third yeah. person and... Yeah, you, you, you're 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 a movie character. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that how your brain works? <laughs> yeah. Well, not all the time, but sure. Yeah. Okay. I want to get back to heartbreak. Okay. Because what could be a better subject? Right. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Both in the good and the bad. Mm-hmm. Um. So was this your this? I'm assuming this was the first time you had someone just destroy you uh kind of so um this one hurt the most yeah definitely uh so this is um there were like multiple heartbreaks in the book um and they aren't as probably dramatic as they seem in the book um but there was a um like heartbreak that kind of sparked me to want to write um and it was it was just it was kind of you know your first heartbreak so it was it was important whether it was good or not you know it was important to have just so you kind of learned from it so I definitely did that and I definitely wrote um a lot of um detail in the breakup um like scenes and stuff just so that I could kind of use it as a therapeutic way to kind of express how I felt. But of course, then going back through and editing and everything, I was like, yeah, this just sounds really sad and really like um, um, not, it, do, it didn't flow well, I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say mm-hmm. in the story. So I added some fluff, added a little more extra detail, made it really 
just heart wrenching and made it as painful as possible for the reader. Cause <laughs> did you always write for therapy or for fun? Um, no, <laughs> no. Um, I used to write, um, very seldomly and, um, I would write though. I would write. And I remember thinking whenever I was a kid, um, cause I liked poetry for some reason. I just thought it was cool that you could use something so, um, like short to make it so meaningful. And, um, so I would read poetry, I would write poetry, and then I remember thinking, oh, if I were to ever publish a book, it would be poetry. And then um, I was like, there's no way that I could come up with a full story by myself and uh, just be able to publish that. that. That's too much work. And so um, fast forward, and sure enough, it, was, um, it all started from just writing out of therapy. And then I was like, this might be possible. <laughs> How long between the breakup and you starting to write? Uh, it was a while. It was um, probably uh, a year or a little bit over. Yeah, so it wasn't it wasn't fresh by any means or anything. I had time to kind of soak in it, and um, I even had a girlfriend after that that you know went through the same thing. So it wasn't fresh or, or by any means like the most recent. So you dated someone post this mm -hmm. relationship, but you still needed to get this out on paper to get over that initial one. Yeah. I guess when you put it like that, yeah, no, <laughs> absolutely. I'm just, I mean, I'm just asking. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. Uh, I, I definitely, um, yeah, I went through the second one and the second one, you know, it, it didn't last as long. Um, and so it wasn't, I don't want to say that it wasn't as important, but you know, it, it just didn't have the same lasting effect that the first one did. Did it scare you, um, to be, or did it feel vulnerable to put your, even though I know it's not a hundred percent factual, was that scary? Yeah. I think that, um, and to be honest, less of the fact that it was, um, something a little bit more personal to me. Um, but just the fact that whenever any author writes, they work so, long on something and then put so much work into it just to kind of throw that out there for the world to be like wow this is amazing or wow this is really really bad you know it it, it was definitely um a little scary but tim's going through that right now oh yeah yeah I'm right you want your mic you want a mic yeah you want to go grab one go grab one real quick we gotta get tim brendan and i will chat yeah um <laughs> What were we just talking about? Oh, you were, yeah. it's going through the process mm. of, yeah. Yeah. Um, he's doing this. He's wrapping one up. That's amazing. And, yeah, trying to get that objective, you know, from what I hear, trying to get that objective input. Yes. Because um, you're so close to it. Yeah. Absolutely. Same thing. I experienced the same thing making television commercials. As yeah. weird as that might sound. Yeah, no. And to some people maybe, but, you know. Yeah, because you put or so creative much, concept. Yeah, you put so much time into it. It's basically your baby, and then you're just throwing that out there, and mm -hmm. you're waiting for people to say something about it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Did you do other things in addition to writing to help you get through this? Um, I'm gonna stay on the heartbreak if you can't yeah, tell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so. Uh, yeah, I got a new girlfriend. Um, no, th no. There you go. No, that's true. <laughs> yeah, that's no, true. that's true. That's true. Um, but no, I uh, I didn't really do much as far as like therapy-wise. Therapy um, I just kind of 
um, wrote, and I did a lot of writing. And at that time, I was also in high school, but I was, um, that was actually the height of the pandemic whenever it was kind of first starting and, and people were um, off and on out of school and stuff. And so um, I was actually just doing completely um, homeschooling basically from through my high school um, just because I had a compromised immune system. Um, oh, you do? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually have a heart condition, um, but we'll get back to that later. Um, okay. And so, yeah. A separate heart condition from this one this young lady gave you. Right, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it might be all in sync. I don't know, but it's, it's still here. So, no. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I was, I was homeschooled, and um, I was going through that, doing a lot of writing, and I had my A-plus scholarship, which... Um, I didn't end up using that is um, probably not to my parents likeness liking um, to have the A plus and not use it but I, I my idea behind that was kind of just if I'm going to go into because you know I mean you can get your associate's degree with those two years but um, if you want anything like meaningful it, it'd be a bachelor's and so my idea behind that was if you're going to go to school or go into debt um, I just personally wanted to do it building something of my own you know um, and so that was that was a little rabbit hole but <laughs> um, so yeah I was homeschooled um, so I didn't have a lot of time on my hands um, other than school um, and writing because any time that I was not doing either of those things I was trying my very best to meet up with friends or get out of the house or do something so I'm not, you know, so isolated, I guess. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. I've never written long format. Um, most of what I write is short format. Mm -hmm. Is it, what, what type of, and I know there's different types of writers. What type of writer are you? That is a good question. Um, so I, I, don't, I don't think that I fall into a specific category. I know that each writer has their own method, um, though there are, you'll have writers that will kind of create their own outlines before because they'll know exactly what they want throughout the story. I wasn't like that. Um, I was very, um, let me write this, see how it sounds, and then um, you know I would move on from there, kind of building the story one by one rather than just um, creating like an overview of everything that I wanted. So it was very on the fly, um, just kind of, one by one. And then who did you who did you lean on for help in editing? Can't find it? Am I even the box? Tim lost his mic. You checked that other office? Yeah. Weird. Um Yeah. What was the question again? Um, who helped you with your editing process? Yeah. Did gotcha. you have friends and family read it? Did you have professionals read it? So yes. Um so as far as editing process, this is kind of a story in itself. Um, I wasn't going to publish the book initially. I, I was currently, I was out of a job from COVID from high school. And so I, you know, coming up on graduation, I wanted to make sure that I had at least something. And, you know, it was mid COVID. There wasn't a lot of like serious options. So, um, I went to work at a grocery store and I was, um, in customer service at this grocery store. And I worked with um, a lady, her name's Chris Swoboda, and she also lost her job in the hotel industry um, and was working at customer service in this grocery store. 
And so we would work a lot of night shifts together. And I originally wasn't going to publish the book. And uh, one night I just kind of, you know, mentioned to her, I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I wrote a book. And, and she was like, what do you mean you, you wrote a book? And uh, full circle, she ended up, she had edited a book for someone else previously. And oh. so she was like, just let me take a look at it and we'll see how it goes. And so, um, you know, a week later we were printing the book out on the... Um, company company printer and uh, going through it and and doing some edits and everything and at that point it was kind of like a well we've got to publish it now so um, she she is the one that helped me with all the editing and and we went through multiple different times and um, formatting um, I did all myself um, and then also just kind of like the official publishing I did myself as well. So, you know, get, getting it into each, you know, format as far as like ebook um, and then getting them all registered and um, copyrighted, all that. And Chris became your business partner, correct? Yes. In Claremont Publishing. Yep. So after we published that novella, um, I want to say it was probably a month, month and a half after, you know, we would text back and forth every once in a while. How's it doing? At this time, we didn't work at the grocery store anymore. Um, we had moved on to different um, careers. And so I was, you know, texting her and we, we ended up meeting about a month, month and a half later. And we were just kind of sitting there twiddling our thumbs and we were like, well, what do we do now? And so, um, we were kind of like, you know, it wasn't as easy of a process as we first expected just because, you know, um, you have a lot of resources online, but you don't have a lot of like uh, community resources or um, networks that you can just kind of tap into and um, have them help you personally. And so we were like, you know, let's let's just start a publishing company. And uh, that's when the struggle um, for finding a name came about. <laughs> okay. Yeah. It's interesting because it's your first chance at it. Mm-hmm. It's your first really you dipped your toe into it and then you started a company with it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's true. And it, and I think that it was just a great experience in general because working with all these different authors now, um, we are able to kind of just continue to learn about the process and, and different ways that we can go about things. And while at the same time being able to help these other people. We're going to get there. Okay, okay, yeah. Let's go back to your heart. Yeah, yeah, all right, yeah, yeah, back to the heartbreak. Back to the <laughs> did, heart. the, did writing help? Uh, yeah, definitely. Okay, I mean, the new girlfriend helped too. Yeah. And the current girlfriend. Yes. Let's not forget her. Yeah, can't forget her, nope. Um, but it did help. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So then you start Claremont, mm-hmm. C-L-E-R-M-O-N-T. Correct, yeah. Claremont Publishing. Did anyone, I'm very curious, the advice you received or didn't receive, all the input prior to doing this. Mm-hmm. Brendan, don't do it. It's a publishing company. You know, I mean, yeah. we've seen large publishing companies barely make it. Yeah. Tell me what you heard. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so, you know, I, I told my parents that I was going to start a company. And, you know, at first... I think they're, they're very, um, I think they wanted me to go to school. They just had, um, that. I'm sure they did. Yeah. Yeah. And no, they I wanted mean, you to stay at home and right. <laughs> eat Cheez-Its. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, whenever I told them that I was starting a company, you know, they were kind of weary 
and then I told them that I was starting a publishing company, and they were even more weary. Um, yeah, so I got a lot of people saying, you know, is publishing even still important? Like, does it right. does it is it even still around? Do companies still do that? Um, and, and you're young. Yeah, you're 21. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, so yeah, no. Um, had a lot of that, and I think that with the way things are now, it's just as important as ever. There's a lot of people that are saying like the publishing company is is dying or like the industry is dying. Um, but in all actuality, it's just like changing because you have a lot of these um, traditional publishers that aren't having the success in the, the numbers that they did previously. And I think a lot of that is because they are, you know, asking you to give up your book for money. I mean, you're, you're basically kind of signing um, a majority of your rights away to this company and, you know, you're watching your child, your baby just go into the hands of these people and, and hoping for the best. Um, and a lot of people still like that route just because they give you money right off the bat. But I think that there's so many people out there that are like self-publishing now just because they realize that they don't want to give those rights up and it to turn out something totally different than they want. They want to hold that creative control. I know a few people who've done that through Amazon mm-hmm. with, with success. Yeah. Not great success, but success nonetheless. So yeah. that's all that matters. Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> and we had another author on, Shalon David, mm-hmm. who I know through the industry, and he wrote a book um, about him and his two uh, daughters traveling, all 50, uh, traveling to all 50 states. Yes, I listened to that one. That was good. Oh, did you? Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and again, that was him kind of solving, you know, coming, trying to close that circle of, of heartbreak. Yeah, definitely. Well, that's my words, but, you know, his would have been, you know, getting closure after a divorce or however he put it. Mm-hmm. Um, you can refer to that on own episode yourself, whoever's listening. Um, but, uh, yeah, I forgot my train there. Can't land that plane. <laughs> but... Uh, so you were told like, Hey man, this is absolutely, you know? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely. It's a tough industry. Absolutely. I'm sure your father was told that plenty too. Maybe, maybe not as and much. advertising in 75. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah, no, that was a big industry. <laughs> my but father's I, 78. He hasn't right. worked in almost. <laughs> that's yeah. Fair. My father was 19, was 1975. My father started uh, Fasonian partners in 1975. I wasn't even born yet. You took over in 15, right? 2015? Yeah. Yeah. There. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. I, I have a business Yeah, yeah 15 years old. Yeah. Carol and got, yeah, right. No, I was 35. Okay, yeah. I was 35. I worked for him for 14 years. How was it having your father as a um, boss? Horrible. Yeah? Yeah, absolutely horrible. <laughs> um, there's nothing to lie about. Yeah. I mean, there's good stuff. Yeah. You know, people say a lot of times, oh, it must be so cool you get to work with your dad. And you don't see it that way. Yeah. Until you're, it's, it's over. Right. Yeah. Because, you know, you realize that not everyone has that proximity to their father. Mm-hmm. Or to a mother. Right. And if they, that's just rare. Yeah. You know, and it's only, I think, applicable in those type of circumstances. Yeah. I mean, why else do you spend five days, well, seven days a week with one or your parents. Yeah. You know, and that's essentially what we're doing. Yeah. Um, at the same time, I think you lose, I don't think you, I'll speak for myself. 
I won't speak for him. Um, you lose a lot of anything that this, you caught me on my heels, anything that would have come outside of work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's approached differently. Yeah. Because there's a disciplinarian boss type mentality. Um, you know, I was never treated as the boss's son. Tim, you could punch me in the face if you need to. <laughs> but, you know, he always told me you're going to work harder than anyone else and you're going to get paid less than everyone else. Oh, yeah. And it would be like that in perpetuity. Uh-huh. Um, you know, you will earn every inch of this. Yeah. So um, I'm very grateful for it. But, uh, but yeah, that, it's, it's a very difficult uh, relationship. And as I've gotten older... You know, now I'm 44, and I'm meeting other people close to my age mm-hmm. that are doing the same thing, whether it's, you know, Matt Sturgis. He was on the podcast. Yeah. Sturgis Materials. Mm-hmm. They supply amazing stone. They have this giant stone yard in KCK that they supply to a lot of architects and engineers and builders here in the Midwest and uh-huh. throughout the nation. Um, and he's second generation. His father, Mark, an amazing man. Um, you know, we've done other, comp- uh, other work for other companies. And when I've had those one-on-ones, I'm like, hey, are you guys close? And it, it's shocking because they seem, some, sometimes they just seem like best friends in yeah. the whole world. Yeah. And when they talk to you one-on-one, they're like, no. Yeah. It looks that way. Yeah. And um, as sad as that can be, it was very comforting to hear. <laughs> right. Yeah, no. I, <laughs> just I, like I heartbreak. I you know, it's like you, you don't want to hear your buddy get into a relationship as soon as you get dumped. You want to hear right. him suffer. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, I get that. And back to what you said at the beginning, I think that that holds true for like almost everything. Whenever you said that, you know, you, you don't really see it until it's gone. Like you don't miss it until it's gone. Um, I don't know if you missed it, but just, you know, no, it's, and I tell people, I I give advice to, to people in who were, were in my shoes. Yeah. And I don't want you to be company specific right now, but I really do. Um, he couldn't wait for his father to retire. Yeah. And I told him, let me give you a piece of advice. Hang on to this. Yeah. What you have with him, even though it may be, not be perfect. Yeah. I go, because when he's gone, yeah. you're going to wish, and not dead, when he's out of the business, right. you're going to wish he still had him there. Yeah. Whether it's once a month, once a week, once a year, you're going to have a question. You're going to have something where, you know, um, you're going to wish that person was still in the building coaching you there for advice yeah granted they're still there on the telephone if you need them but you outgrow that after a while yeah you know you kind of want to do it yourself right um and i wish like anything um you know kind of like your childhood i wish i had absorbed it a little bit better Mm -hmm. you know i think some um you know some people as they as they adult and as they go through the maturation process i think some people are very aware of it Mm -hmm. You, you seem to be one of those um well, you're starting a publishing company. You're, yeah. you're, you know, I wasn't you at 21. Let me just say that. <laughs> I was, definitely wasn't starting a publishing company. Yeah. I was more worried about Friday night yeah. through Monday <laughs> morning. Um, but, uh, yeah, I don't know where we're going there, but discipline. Yeah. Cherish it. Cherish it. Yeah, exactly. You know, uh, soak it up, mm-hmm. you know, and, and figure out where you are, not where the dopamine is. Right. But where <laughs> where you are and where you want to be and then what you need to do. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so thank you for the question. Yeah, of course. It's um, so against 
other advice, you start the publishing company. And I imagine that starts with the website. Yeah. I mean, since that is your, your brick and mortar, do you have an office? Uh, not, not a physical one. Okay. No. Mm-mm. Okay. Nope. Now, Claremont Publishing is more than a publishing company, as you've alluded to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So tell everyone what you're doing more than. Yes. So um, there's a key word in our title that not a lot of people go into very, very deep or, or notice very much, and it's the consulting part. So um, we wanted to make sure to add that portion in because we offer everything from step one, just helping you you know, build your story, build your characters, um, you know, being right alongside you while you build this story all the way to, you know, the editing, the proofreading, the um, publishing, the actual formatting, everything. So we offer an allure of services. And if we can't do them personally, um, we have a network of people that are willing to help us. You know, we have um, uh, we have uh, people that are willing to do, you know, line drawings and, and um, do pictures and, and videos and everything. Um, with us and so we're very lucky to have a network like that that we are able to support these authors how are you using video sorry not to interrupt yeah no you're good i'm glad you asked this question so this is not i mean i get line drawing and publishing but i don't go ahead yeah so this is not a very common thing um or at least it wasn't for a very long time in uh, publishing but um recently and you won't see a lot of big publishers do this but recently um, you've had a lot of people that have, um, especially self-published authors, who have published a book trailer. And it's very much like a movie trailer, except for your book. And a lot I've of, never heard of this. Have you heard of these, Tim? Yeah, they're not very common. You won't find, and honestly, you won't find very many good ones, which is why um, we're actually um, excited because this, this next book that I'm working on we had like a whole team, you know, we hired models and uh, videographers and photographers and um, we had everyone and we actually um, were thankful to have the resources that we could go to uh, different um, points. In. Can I pull that up on, my, on YouTube? I don't have that one finished. The Do you have anything on YouTube that I can pull up real quick? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let me A actually, trailer, I mean? Yeah, let me look because um, whenever <clears throat> I was talking about a trailer with the videographer, I gave him an example. But Tim English, who you can see under the, who you can listen to under the Tim English episode at, on the Little Agency of the Divorce podcast, on this podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts, he wrote a book called Paxico. Or he's right, he's, yes, he wrote, is it done? Yeah, it's, it's this close. is why we need the damn mic. It's, it's so we were looking for a mic when we hit pause and we, anyway, we're down a third mic. Anyway, so he wrote a book called Paxico. And he's going through everything you're talking about, trying to. And I'm going to give you my mic, I think, here in a little bit um, so you guys can play. But um, you know, he's going through what you're going through, you know, yeah. trying to edit it. And just because I know because, you know, yeah. we, him and I spend five days a week together and I ask him how his book is. He's like, well, I'm trying to, you know, like he'll tell me, here, take my mic. <laughs> All right. Hey, Tim. <laughs> All right, I'll just take over here for just a minute. Um, so I'm going through a lot. I'm writing the book. It's a yeah, it's I'm a, going through a lot. It's it's a horror book, uh-huh. um, but it's like you know a set in the '80s horror, horror adventure. I, I compare it to it's like Goonies meets meets The Conjuring. Okay, I love. Um, you know, it's it's very much these precocious, smart-ass kids who move to this haunted house in Kansas and learn that their family legacy is tied to 
um, defending this house okay. from like this this witch and this demon who I love it already. Um, you know, so it, it's it's a lot of fun. But um, I'm going. You know, a lot of stuff that you talked about. I use a lot of um, like real like yeah, the three kids. You know, yeah. you know, my wife started like you are travel. The, are, it's a destination. Yeah, we go to, we go out to Paxico, Kansas, and, uh-huh. I, and, I, and I studied the town and. Um, we go every year we go to the Paxco blues festival and, mm-hmm. um, you know, we just try to kind of be a part. It's a town of like 200 people. Yeah. So it's really small. It's like literally like one, the downtown is like one half of a block. Yeah. Yep. It's like a courtyard, I'm you, know, you know, so yeah. it's very cool. But, um, but yeah, it's, you know, it's a lot of writing. It's a lot of editing. I haven't let anybody read it yet. Okay. Um, but yeah. I'm getting to that point where I'm about done with what it was my, Probably my third draft, uh-huh. you know, and uh, but it's it's a mystery, you know. So it's it's a lot of things that. Um, what do you I, find the most difficult? That part, writing the mystery, making sure I'm setting stuff up. Yeah. Um, that the the characters are asking the right questions. Yep. That, that, that's going to be intriguing to the to the reader. Um, but it, you know, and then and then they have to answer. Quite, you know, they have to learn things to answer the questions they have before, but at the same time, those answers have to open new, you know, and it's, yeah, like you know, you said, does it, make, it makes sense to you, right? And that, yeah, that's the other thing I'm always telling him is like, in my head, mm-hmm. I, I've had this story in my head for years now, several years. I've been working on it for four or five years, like the plot, yeah, actually writing for almost two now. Um, but it's like, to me, that's my question right now is like, is a reader going to be able to get it, get through the, you know, like in my head, am I, am I writing? I don't want to overwrite it, but I also yeah. want to underwrite. And so these are like all the crazy yeah. questions as I'm writing. I'm like, shit, is this too much? Is yeah. it, am I overthinking this? Am I telling them too much? Am I not telling them enough? Um, and then I'm like writing going, okay, um, I, I just discovered this plot point here. Where do I have to set this up? Is it, you know, I mean, yeah. you know, and where do I have to follow up on it, you know? Yes. And, and do I need to have this character mention something here that kind of, so, Okay. Yeah. So you probably asked one of the most um, popular questions that I think I ever get from, like, authors. Um, because as an author, and I relate to this, so I understand how you're feeling. You, every time that you go through and you write and then you go through and you read it, you're like, oh, well, I could just do this different. Maybe that would make it better. Maybe that would be better if I switched this around or if I made this different. Um, and then you start to think, is this even worth it? Is it going to make sense to the reader if I switch it? Um, so that's where the editor comes in. Right. So the editor will come in and because it's just like a fresh mind, a fresh person to just read it, and you want her to go through. And um, the way we do it is we we have the editor go through and she leaves, you know, comments and and shares it with you so that you're able to like go through and you're like, huh, that makes sense. Or nope, that was stupid. And you can just get rid of her because we want to uphold like the creative control. We want this to be your child, your baby, um, because we know how much work and like you put into it. And also we know that you know what you want. We don't know what you want. Um, so in your head, you already know how you want it to go. We're just there to make sure that the reader is able to understand. Right. Yeah. So a lot of people get that. And honestly, as an author, I, this will not give you peace of mind, but you will always have that feeling. Even whenever you are finishing the book, you'll be like, you'll be like, oh, 
I could just go through and, and change things, but it, it, it's never ending. But yeah, I'll be like, should I have mentioned yeah, that before? Exactly. Yeah. No. Absolutely. <laughs> would that have Would that have landed harder? Had yeah. I, you know, yeah. I'm all. Yeah. I do know that. Absolutely. So, so yeah. Um. There just comes a point when you know the editor will kind of be up front with you and like, hey, I think it's great. I think the reader will think it's great, and you just have to kind of be like. Okay. Or, I mean, you can continue to keep editing, but there's a point where, like, you'll filter it so much that it will kind of stray from the originality that you first had. Right. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's my next step uh, as soon as I get done with this draft. And maybe this is something we can we can discuss. Um, yeah. But, uh, you know, is to have, a, you know, a non-biased... Yeah. You know, my, my, my wife wants to read it, but I haven't let her, I've let her read like a few chapters. She's yeah. like, this is really good. And I'm like, yeah. that's not what I need to hear. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't need yeah. to hear that my wife thinks it's really good. Yeah. But she's also a very picky reader also. Mm-hmm. You know, she reads a lot. And she will read a book and be like, I, I can't read this anymore. This is, you know. Yeah. Um, so, you know. Uh, but, yeah, I need that that voice, that, that, that reader Gosh. to say. Yeah. Okay. What? <laughs> okay, yeah, and I'm glad that you touched base on that because we are we have um, a few authors right now, and we're going through um, edits with them, and you know we'll we'll meet with them regularly, and we'll kind of you know touch base, see how they're feeling about their writing, about um, um, just kind of how they're doing. The way that we like to do it, but we are open, so you know we ask them whenever we first talk to them if you know they want us to show them the edits, you know, right away, or if we want them to, you know, kind of wait till they completely finish writing, go through all the edits, you know, give it back to them, let them know, and then just kind of talk through it with them. Um, We always schedule a meeting to kind of talk through, like, any edits or anything that people have questions on. But um, recently, you know, we've had people, and we've asked them the question, but we've recommended that they finish the entire story, finish the entire book, and then start going through edits because um, at the point where you know we can start editing, because um, you know you're already you're already a few chapters in. If you're still writing the book and we give you those edits, we know that as an author, you know all that's going to go through your head is like, man, maybe they're right. Maybe I should do. Maybe I should change that. Maybe I should. You know, and, and then you start rethinking yeah. what you're what you're trying to finish yeah. anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And so um, then that just takes away because you know you'll lose kind of some of the creativity that's needed for um, finishing the book. So right. yeah, right. Well, we'll be we'll be in touch uh, after absolutely. this. But it, it's it's absolutely been interesting to listen to you. Um, yeah. Because um, yeah, that's. There's not a, like that's been my next question. It's like, how am I going to get this published? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I know there's a lot of places out there where you can yeah. be like, hey, I'll give you like um, five thousand dollars. Yeah, and you know, and, you know, and I'm just like, and that's that's why, crazy. Why am I paying them that much money right. to publish my book when they're just going to turn on and you know, ideally make money off my book? Right. I mean, where's this? Right. You know, how Claremont makes money. How do you guys make money? <laughs> we don't make much yet. Um, (laughs) so we're, we're very, uh, kind of, um, clear cut in our pricing. So of course each book costs different and mainly where you'll see the difference is in the printing. So the most expensive part of uh, publishing, no matter what you do, will basically be printing. Um, and so 
right now the book um, printing prices uh, they range based on um, you know how long your book is what you have in your book um, so it could range you know anywhere from a thousand to you know two thousand twenty five hundred um, for you know one hundred to two hundred copies um, just depending mm-hmm. um, but where we try to be as clear as possible is whenever we do discuss pricing with a customer. Um, or a client will always bring a itemized list of specific, we'll make one specific for them and we'll we'll bring an itemized list and it shows where everything goes. Because you have the ISBN, you have the Library of Congress control number, the copyright, the printing, and of course where most of it goes is printing. But there's no, we don't charge any specific like, oh, here's just a service fee. You know, it's it's always either editing um, or... Um, copywriting, which copywriting we, we basically just charge. Um, a lot of what you'll see is what goes into you know publishing a book. So we have never had anything in the five thousand range. Um, yeah. So yeah, that 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 is. I get that a lot, and a lot of people kind of. I think that a lot of independent publishers get a bad name. They call them vanity presses. I don't go by vanity press. I consider us a independent publisher. Um, but yeah, a lot of people will hate on vanity presses because they charge so much money and you know we're where it's it's hard we're kind of going in the headwind because we are an independent press that's trying to explain to everyone that you know we're clear and uh, we are honest and we show everyone you know what they need to be so yeah we want everyone or every author basically to be as in control as possible yeah and obviously that's important you know so yeah to be able to, you know, wouldn't want to lose, lose that creative control. But yeah, uh, yeah, I'll turn it back over no, to Michael. No, go ahead. Um, you do all the cart though. So if you just wanted to publish his book, yeah, or if he just wanted to use you for publishing, yeah. he could. Yeah, for sure, absolutely. Um, and then that'd be just like a fee for your time plus publishing. Or? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, so we would uh, create a marketing plan mm-hmm. where we would have, you know, a set amount of months planned out. Just you know, you know what we're going to do, how much money we're going to spend. Um, some ideas of some posts and everything, and we'll have examples ready. And um, the actual publishing process, you know, we'll we'll build kind of like you know when we need to start promoting, um, and then you know your publishing date, we'll decide that, and then um, we'll just kind of go through the process and that. And you know, having um, worked with some local businesses where we are lucky to have, you know, the opportunity to, you know, discuss the possibilities of, you know, book signings and things like that, just to get promotion and get your sure. book out there. Sure. Well, yeah. I mean, I, I'd be willing to talk to you about a lot of things. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, and especially to be able to have a publisher here in Kansas City. I mean, yes. I, I, you know, cause yeah. that, that's, that means a lot to Is me too. I'm sure there are. I just don't know of any. Right now. You know, really. I mean, because that's been my yeah. next question. Like, I don't even know where to go from here. Right. Yeah. So from doing our research, there wasn't any um, significant publisher locally. Of course, if you, in the state of Missouri, there is, there's, um, they, they make a lot of, um, um, sorry, schooling, educational books um, for, you know, high schools and, and uh, colleges and such. Um, but in the actual Kansas City area, I noticed there wasn't a lot of, just actual publishers um there were a few small companies and from what it looked like a lot of them were um vanity presses just like we had talked about that you know we're charging pretty hefty 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Keep going. That, that was, that's all I really have on the uh, issue. I mean, you know. You sure? Yeah. All right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we'll definitely yeah. talk more. I mean, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm close to finishing, so. Yeah, no, Absolutely. What I got out of that is is Brendan's going to publish your book. I don't know what you got out of that. I don't know what the audience got out of it, but I got yeah. that Brendan's going to publish his first horror film. I, 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 thought, I love I it. Thought, like, it. We could yeah. head down the direction. Yeah. We definitely have. He at least gets a deal. Yeah, we had a connection for sure. <laughs> um, so before we took that little break, yeah. we were talking about Video trailers for yes. books, yes. which I you have my full attention. Okay, because I love a good trailer. Yeah, so um, I'll I'll show you this one. Okay. Um, and tell me it too, so I can. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually by a um, smaller. They, I haven't done much research into the company, but it is a smaller independent press, um, um, or publisher, independent publisher, and there's also one by Penguin. Um, it's Penguin South Africa, and they have one here. But to be honest, it's not as good as this one, just because this one has words. Um, so you're welcome to watch it. Or it's uh, what's the name of it? So people the, can yeah yeah. So this is Scythe. I am in no way um, sponsored by these people. So S C Y T H E. Dash the book trailer, okay. So, of course, you know, this one is very, um, if you guys are watching along with us, it's very much kind of like a Hunger Games. Uh, you shot this? I did not. No, no, no. You hired a production crew? Not for this one. Oh. This is actually another independent um, publisher. Okay, that gotcha. This. But just to kind of give you an idea of, you know, like, how they're changing um, into like adding videography. How many videos. views does that have? I'm curious. Yeah, let me take a look here. Um, so that one has 185,000 views. Not bad. Yeah, no, absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so, yeah, and I think that's one thing, you know, of course. What a I cool s- concept. Yeah, yeah, it really is. And, and even if you don't go through with the I, full. I've got trailers planned for mine already. <laughs> yeah. Did you prior to this? I did not know that those were a thing, but yeah. because that's how my brain works. Yeah. Right. I, I think I'll, I'll like listen to music and I'll think about it yep. as a trailer and I'll start to think of like, do I have a, in, in my head, do I have a yep. story that fits what, because you know, movies and all that right. shit. Right. Yeah. That's just how my brain works. But were you already going to make a trailer for Paxico? Yeah. Oh, you were? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Look at that. Yeah. Ahead of the times. Yep. Yeah. And so I think that's one of the reasons that, um, you know, that big publishers just aren't, they're, they're not used to change. They're not, they're not used to no. adapting. And so. It's publishing. Yeah. I mean, whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you just went to Chicago. I did. Yeah. And you went there, yes, you wanted to relax, but mm-hmm. you also were trying to find cafes, coffee shops that would take your book to do signings, correct? Yeah, yeah. We, we are always looking for um, people, especially locally. Um, but, you know, if, if I'm able to go out of town and search, I will. You know, just for local businesses that are 
willing to kind of work with us. Um, and, and the reason that we like working with kind of like smaller local businesses is mainly because um, we're able to ensure that, you know, our it's a very like personal one-on-one experience with them um, and, and especially the owners because as a publishing company, we like to do kind of more innovative strategies and we're always thinking about new ways um, to kind of either promote or or do things you know we've we've talked about different um marketing opportunities outside of um just a book signing you know different activities that people could come and enjoy and and while still being able to promote both the book and the shop um or the or the local business so were you in chicago promoting your own book or the authors you represent um, really, I was just kind of scouting out. So I was looking okay. for some local businesses to kind of reach out to and, and um, touch base with them on, you know, whether they'd even be open to that kind of thing. Are you aiming big and going for like the Starbucks of the world? <laughs> no, I'm being serious. Uh, yeah, you know, one day I think that it would be a great connection to connect with Starbucks if they're willing to work with us on kind of like a personal level and be able to... Um, or, or someone like that, yeah. you know, a Barnes and Noble, yeah. a Scooter, you know, someone who's in, you know, almost every state, I'm sure. And, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, Starbucks definitely is. But, you know, someone with that type of reach. Yeah. No, absolutely. I think that's definitely um, a goal of ours at some point, just to be able to find something that's a little more global that we are still able to kind of ensure control of both, you know, our work and the author's work um, on a personal level. What do your parents think of what, of it now, of your idea now? A publishing company? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we. you would think that this would be a common topic for um, holidays and stuff, but it's really not. And I don't know that that's their fault because they do ask me about it. I just don't know how to say or what to express about it. Because, you know, in my head, it's like, oh, we're just starting. Like, I have a very, um, I have kind of like a mental... Um, block that like I always am thinking 10 steps ahead so right now I'm just like man you know how am I going to get connected with these huge businesses and stuff rather than like oh I'm so thankful that I'm connected with any businesses you know so I have a very progressive mindset and so which is how you found this podcast yeah absolutely yeah no if for anyone listening I reached out to Michael because I was looking for um, kind of local Kansas City people that, you know, I could connect with other business owners and just learn from other business owners and be able to um, talk about things and, and um, learn how people are kind of growing in the Kansas City area. Um, but yeah, so that we don't talk about it too much, but whenever they do ask me, I think that, you know, they're intrigued. They sound very, they always say that they're very... Um, like proud and I, I appreciate that but um, just in my head like I'm always like so far ahead mm-hmm. that um, it, it's hard to like take a moment and like appreciate what I'm doing so does everyone have a copy uh, yes yeah so, in your family yep everyone has a copy um, and I think everyone has read it um, so yeah it was uh, it was very nice that everyone here's what I will say though um, my friends and you'll probably experience this too, Tim. They are very supportive, and they will buy your copy, but they probably will not read it. <laughs> I'm, I'm just going to say that up front. Um, there's so many people that have bought a copy, and I'm like, oh, my God, thank you so much. How was it? And they're like, oh, oh uh, yeah. Um, 
about that. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. Are you going to do an ebook? Yes. Um, I don't know about my novella. Um, from here on out, I do intend on doing an ebook for every single book. Um, and I'm not sure if you heard this. Amazon came out with something recently that is dangerous. Um, so they they recently came out, and you can now create an ebook with like um, an AI voice, mm-hmm. and you get to like go through and choose the voice or whatever. And that's great and all if you um, you know want to get your ebook out there, but you know you don't want to have that expense of you know hiring a studio or um, or a reader. But in general, I think that it just it, it won't compare. I'm glad you brought that up. Did that play a role at all? Artificial intelligence in you writing? Did nope. you use it for editing? Did you use it for uh-huh. anything? Yep. Nope. No. Nope. Yeah, no. You'd uh, be the only one. Yeah, right? <laughs> well, it seems like that these days. Yeah, no, definitely. It's, yeah, and I, I know that Amazon talked about it, and I think they already enforced it, but I'm not sure if they did. I'm pretty sure they did. Um, where whenever you're going through the publishing process, um, it'll have you click a button if any of your work was created using AI. Yeah. And I'm not sure what it does, but I know that. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Yeah. You have to check a box that right. says, yes, I, okay. Yep, 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 yeah. Okay. Whenever you're going through and publishing, you'll have to check a box saying that you used AI or not. And then you really have to depend on that person being honest. Right. Pretty much, yeah. Absolutely. I mean, because let's face it. Yeah. 50% of those people are going to lie. Right. Absolutely. They sound real cynical. But... And, the, and that, no, I mean, well, you say that, but... Amazon actually recently this year had to um, change their rules because previously, um, whenever you go through the publishing process, and this was before, I think, May of this year, um, you would go through and you could select two categories to kind of place your book in. Like, um, you know, you were looking for good um, um, SEO words or, or kind of categories that, you know, you'd get a lot of... Um, attention from and so people were clicking these two categories well if you emailed um, Amazon and I didn't know this at the time and this was 100% reflected in my novella I think um, if you emailed Amazon then they would give you the option to choose up to 10 categories that you could put your book in so you would have these people that were putting their books you know under the main categories that they were but also these very small niche categories so you know, just by selling, um, you know, 10, 15 copies, they would make it in the number one bestseller for that category. And so they were getting a lot more views from that and, and, um, and downloads and everything. Interesting. Just, mm-hmm. So, that, yeah, in May, they recently changed the rules because people were abusing that, and they set it to where, like, everyone can now only pick three. Interesting. Yeah. Will you do audio? Me personally? Mm-hmm. I don't know. It depends on how this podcast sounds. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should read your own book. I Yeah, I've, I've definitely considered it. And you know what? Um, there was a time when on the novella I was... I mean, unless you can afford Brad Pitt. Right, yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. I, he did a series of uh, Cormac McCarthy books. Oh, really? Yeah, he did The Crossing. Mm-hmm. Um, 
he did the crossing, all the pretty horses, and um, <laughs> God darn it. That's amazing. I can't think of the third one. It's a it's a three disc. It's it's on CDs. Okay, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I can't think of the third book. Anyway, he's a phenomenal reader. I, I can imagine so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yeah, I believe that. Um no I don't think he's in the budget this year, but maybe next year. <laughs> yeah. Um, but there was there was a time on my novella that I was dead set on doing it myself. But um, you know, without the right equipment, it just it's not feasible. You know. Yeah. I don't know. I hey, I tried, you know, I tried the closet trick and it just wasn't working for me. Yeah. You know? What happened? Uh it just you could still hear kind of I also had dogs at the time too, and hardwood floor. And so, you know, every time they would oh. get up you would just hear the Yeah. Okay. Did you pad the inside of the door? No, I didn't have you around then. Like, <laughs> I didn't have you, I didn't have you or Tim to help me and guide me through this. You get just some sheets of uh, egg crate foam. Yeah. <laughs> right. Whatever it's called. Now. Yeah. Um, so you did not use artificial intelligence. Good job. No, I know. So, Michael, I have a question for you. Okay. Did your father write a book? He, he's written several and he's writing two right now. That's amazing. He yeah, published... He's written two screen, screenplays as well. Really? Okay, yeah. No, I do, I do remember hearing in um, your podcast with... Uh, um, with you have notes. Loy Edge. Yeah, I have a few. That's just a few. You have notes? Yeah. Yeah, I have one of his screenplays actually right here... That's awesome. Behind me, and I think there's another one, a, dirt, a book he wrote called The Dirty Job. He wrote it like 20 years ago. Okay, really? Um, he's written several books. I, he's I, a very, very, very avid reader. In his basement, he has bookshelves upon bookshelves upon bookshelves built into the walls on both sides of everywhere. A, and he will tell everyone, because it looks impressive, and he'll tell everyone, well, they'll ask, have you read all these? You know, yeah. that's, the, that's the first question. You read all these? Yeah. And he will tell you oh, I've, at least once. Oh, wow. And he'll stop, and they're like, what? Wow. Like, oh, yeah, at least once. And he'll stop and, like, pick at one. Oh, this one right here? I've read this at least four times. This, I mean, it's like, you know, there's and then he just there's got to be a couple thousand books down there on shelves. Wow. And he has them all categorized by his own, by what he deems them as. You know, fiction, whatever, with his own little post-it notes with scotch tape over it on his built-in expensive <laughs> bookshelves. But that's how he rolls. That's, you know? That's amazing. Uh, but yeah, he wrote a book um, called The Secrets of Advertising that okay. helped small businesses learn, mm-hmm. one, the importance of advertising, and two, how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. How to create a budget. How to stick to a budget. Kind of like what you're doing. Yeah. You know, it's, it's a how-to book. Mm-hmm. Um and it, it's really great. We still use it today. I just used it. Uh, I have a client that's living by it right now. That's awesome. And he's very young. Well, he's not, not as young as you. He's 28. Yeah. But um, I was, I guess my point is I was shocked that it resonated with him because it's yeah. a physical book. Um, uh-huh. I mean, I have it in e-form, but I gave it to him as a book. But yeah, he wrote that. He also wrote a book on how to quit smoking in 21 days I while you that. still smoke. I saw that. The no smoke plan. The no, exact. Good, good job. He would be, good job. Um, it works. Yeah. I know a gentleman who sends him a card every year on his birthday, thanking him that he saved his life. Wow. Yeah. Um, he's taught a smoking sensation class when I was in grade school. Mm-hmm. My father hates two things in this world, um, more than anything, cigarettes and money. 
<laughs> and, uh, and he hated tobacco. He hated tobacco companies. Mm-hmm. And once he quit, he wanted to help other people quit. Yeah. And so I was going to St. Therese, uh-huh. uh, K through eight. And um, he asked to borrow a room there mm-hmm. in the evenings and for free was teaching any adults who wanted to show up, you know. That's amazing. Helping them quit smoking. That's, that's awesome. And uh, yeah, he loves to write. Yeah. Good. I don't. Good. <laughs> that's okay. That's like okay. I mentioned earlier, I've never written long format. And that's when I asked you, what type of writer are you? You know, I'm the type of writer where if I have to write a 30-second TV commercial, it, it could take me 30 minutes. Yeah. Or it could take me 30 days. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, sometimes I know right away. Mm-hmm. And it clicks. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it takes a while. Yeah. But to, you know, even my point is to do 30 seconds, I'll, I might get up and down six times and... I mean, you can't see it now, but there's only two bottles of water behind me. But Tim can tell you on the average day, there might be like eight different jars of fluid around here. <laughs> Tea, water, coffee. Yeah. You know, just so I don't have to leave. And then, you know, I'll do a sentence and get up and go to the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Come back, maybe edit that sentence. And then go water a plant. Right, yeah. Come back, maybe type a half a sentence. Yeah. Think on that for a half hour. Yeah. Maybe you, take a phone call. Yeah, you heard your name out there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> heard my name out there. My partner needs me. The old guy came and has a question. You know, whatever. Yeah. I'll invite any excuse when I'm writing. Yeah. <laughs> Is this a building that used to be a detective agency? What? A detective agency? I, I, was, I was reading somewhere, and this might not be true, but I was reading somewhere that Fasone. Fasoni. Fasoni, sorry. It's okay. Horned. Um, yep. Horned. Yep. Um, Fasoni <laughs> and partners used to be housed in a building that was previously a detective agency. Where did you read this? I'd love to see this. I, well, you know. So in 1975, Fasoni was uh-huh. started as Ro- Reuters Fasoni. Okay. A man named George Reuters, mm-hmm. Michael Fasoni. It was above the bunker over here on Westport Road and Broadway. Uh-huh. It was above the bunker. Yeah. In the late 70s, they moved it to this location. Okay. And this was two addresses. This was 4001 and 4003, Pennsylvania. After a few years of being here, he bought the other side of the building, and it became 4003 solely, not 4001 any longer. I don't know what this building was before he bought it. Okay. I'll be honest. Yeah. I have n- That's a new one to me, though. Okay. Well, uh... But I'd like to see where you... Yeah, no, I'll, I'll find that and I'll send it to you and you're going to be like, that's not even us. So it may, it may be, it may not be, but it was yeah. this address. You know, I didn't see an address. It, oh. it was just talking about the Sony partners. Okay. So, yeah, I don't know. I've seen a few things online written about him, my father mm-hmm. or the agency, mm-hmm. um, not firsthand. Yeah. You know, they're done. Yeah. I don't know who's writing these things. Right. But someone is. Yeah. I should have known. It would have been better or more well-written if it was your father writing that. What do you mean? The article. Oh, oh, the yeah, article. Yeah. Gotcha, yeah, yeah. gotcha. Yeah. Well, you, you didn't know. Like you said, you thought I was alive when it started. Um, yeah. But we were just learning each other. What more questions do you have for me? You have, you have highlights. You have different color highlights. Listen, and I know what those mean. Yeah. No. I, I know all about color-coding my highlights. Yeah. Very impressed. Thank you. I appreciate that. I actually have never color-coded my notes. Um, I'm the first? 
Yeah, you're actually... Oh, man, this is big. I know, it is. See, I keep, my pink, I keep my pink highlighter right here. Okay, love next that. Next to yeah. my pink Sharpie. <laughs> okay, yeah. Because so they're different. you need two different tones. Yeah. Yeah, well, the Sharpie's a much bolder right. tone, and my highlighter, you right. know, I'm not... No, I understand completely. I still print things out and give them to my graphic designers and mark them up, and they're like, you could have just emailed me that. I'm like, yeah, I could have. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm working on this 30-second TV script, and I need to get up out of this chair. <laughs> Because I hate writing. <laughs> I love producing. I love oh, yeah. the editing process. I do like to edit. Okay. I do not like to write. Okay. If you ever want help editing. Okay. I always say I could take 500 pages and boil it down to 200. Really? Huh? So you could have read my book from last week to this week. Yeah, rub it in. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I was no. busy. I had a yeah. date Friday night, Saturday night. Did it go well? Yeah, it went real well. That's good. We'll dive into that later. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> okay, my next question. Uh, what made you want to start podcasting? Oh, good question. Well, oh, hold on. Tim can tell you, we tried this well, once before under a different... Um, different name. Yeah, sorry. Uh, under a different kind of premise, and it didn't really fit. And I'm a huge, I'm a huge consumer of podcasts. Mm-hmm. I listen to, I think eight on the regular, and I mean, I, I look forward to them. You know, yeah. today's Monday. Um, while we're we're recording this on a Monday, we'll probably be released this Wednesday, maybe or who knows, um, sometime this week, right, Tim? Wednesday. Wednesday. Okay. Um, but uh, like every Monday, you know, Smartless. I don't know if you've heard of Smartless. I haven't, no. But it's Sean Hayes, uh, Will Arnett, and okay. um, yeah. uh, Jason Bateman. Oh, really? Yeah, it's the three of them. Oh, it's the three of them, podcast. and then they bring on a guest. That'd be a good podcast. Uh-huh. It is. Will Arnett is... I had, I had heard he mm-hmm. was intelligent, Yeah. but I had no idea how quick he is. He's so intelligent. That's awesome. And not just on his feet, like book smart. He's yeah. very, very intelligent, and it comes across. Um, I listen to that. I listen to, um, well, here, I have my iPod. I have an iPod. Oh, okay. I house all, all right. my uh, podcasts and music on my iPod because I don't want to use everything for my phone. And yeah. even though they're phasing these out, so I'm going to have to go to an iPad. I do Smartless, WTF with Mark Marin, uh, the Lex Friedman podcast, Club Random with Bill Maher, Real Time with Bill Maher, I Am Rappaport, uh, Blocks with Neil Brennan, and my favorite podcast of all time, the best podcast ever, the only podcast I give money to, um, the only podcast I buy merch from. I have merch. Okay. Right okay. here from that podcast, and I have other merch, but it's hidden. Is oh yeah, dude, and that's U H H Y E A H D U D E. That's oh yeah, dude. You could find them on oh yeah, dude.com. They also have a toll-free number you could call. It's 888-842-2357. Seth Romatelli and Jonathan Larroquette run that podcast. That's John Larroquette's son of Night Court, okay. a show that was around when you were like one maybe, so, um, yeah. if that. Um, that's, their po- that's one of their merch posters. Wow. And you can see here it's signed on the bottom left here by Seth, and it's signed on the top right here by Jonathan Larroquette, and it's kind of all scattered with different things from different episodes of the podcast. That's awesome. Um, That's but great. they're, 
it's just them, those two talking, uh-huh. and they got me into podcasting, okay. or listening at least. Yeah. And, um, and I've been listening to them for probably 11 or 12 years. Wow. They've been going since 2006. Wow. Yeah, they're one of the oldest. That's awesome. I mean, if not, like, the, the oldest. Yeah. Um, they, they started the game. They, they did. They, so, and, so they just celebrated. I, get, I love that I get to talk about UID. Oh, yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> um, because UID is ad-free, listener-supported. They try to go the NPR model. Yeah. yeah As yeah. a result, they've, <laughs> you know, they didn't make it like Mark Maron or Joe Rogan right. when they started long before right. either of those. Right, right. Um, and I think, and they just celebrated their 100th episode. They did a live episode in uh, New York. They did two episodes um, to celebrate it, 1001, 1002. And Jonathan Larry Kett brought up at the end tearfully that um, I might get upset um, that they may start taking ad revenue. And I'm not upset because of that. I'm upset because I get very passionate when I talk about this podcast yeah. and I don't know why. When they moved their studio, they used to be on Hobart uh, or, or in Melrose in Seth's apartment. And then Seth ended up moving in with his girlfriend and Jonathan moved out to the desert. Oh, wow. So he could go back and forth between L.A. and the desert just yeah. to get out of L.A. And um, so he drives in for the podcast. But when they moved and they didn't have their old location, I, I like, lost my shit. Yeah. I, like, felt like a part of me was, like, I was one of those people. Yeah. You know, who watched Game of Thrones and, like, cry yeah. when it's over. And right. talk, yeah. Like, the, that, that's the podcast for me. Okay, yeah. You know, specifically these two individuals. Um, that's, so when, when do their podcasts come out? What day? You have no idea. <laughs> really? They don't have a schedule, really. Okay. They try to do it weekly, but yeah, you never know. Yeah, things happen. You know, I mean, you might eat, on average, probably two a month, three a month. Okay, yeah. You know, they don't make you wait too long. Yeah. But, you know, it's catch as catch can because they're not doing it with ad revenue. Right, yeah. You know? Yeah. Until I get LaCroix to sponsor my podcast, then I'm doing it without ad revenue. Yeah. You know, LaCroix. Hint, hint. LaCroix sparkles, so you don't have to. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's my free tagline. I've been, and I, I figure if I say LaCroix enough, it's going to ping something. Right. And Podcorn's going to be like, hey, let's give that Fasoni kid over in the Midwest, you know, let's give him a, little, a couple bucks and some cases of LaCroix. Hey, yeah. LaCroix, I would settle for the, the LaCroix. Don't give me the money. I mean, give me the money later. But just drop off a couple cases, every flavor. I don't care. I could use a LaCroix. Yeah. See, Brendan wants some. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. but no, I really wanted to, I wanted to do something that would live forever. That's awesome. Because yeah. I won't have much of a legacy at this point. Um, I likely won't have a family of my own. Still early. I'm 44. You still got time. Okay. Well, <laughs> Hey, Hey, hey <laughs> that's hey. hilarious. Michael, we were just... Hey, Brendan. I'm glad that... Call me in 23 years, <laughs> and we'll chat about that theory. Okay? I'm Deal? Glad, yeah, I'm glad that we touched in forty In 23 years, though, when you're, 40, when you're 44, guess how old I'm going to be? Too old to want to talk to you, probably. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but uh, what'd you say? I forgot. Uh, you were talking about your legacy that you're leaving behind. Yeah, I mean that's that that's probably off the record. So, I you know, and Tim sitting right here knows we do a lot of great work here at Fasoni, mm-hmm. and a lot of it um, is great for what Tim at the most five years. 
How long is a good ad can a great ad campaign run? Five to eight, maybe. Yeah. I mean, they can go longer, but you know, or you make a. Oh God, I made one of my favorite TV commercials. I made was for the Home Builders Association. Claps. Remember that one? Um, just loved it, but it only ran for I think a month and a half. Really? Yeah, and it. You know, it's. It's like God. I wish that could live forever and run forever. Yeah. And I thought, well, <clears throat> I have access to people, and I wanted a platform that. One wasn't edited because mm-hmm. everything we do, Tim and I do in our industry, is edited. Yeah, we edit everything. We edit right. our breath. Yeah, you know, you listen to TV commercial, radio commercial. They don't, you don't hear them. Yeah, because we take that out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> literally, if I take out all your times you've breathed, I can gain two seconds. I, I can imagine. Yeah. No, I'm being. I do it every week. Yeah. I'm like, okay, we're at thirty-one. Hold on, let me take out breath. You take out breath. Okay, boom, twenty-nine. Yeah. Point eight, perfect for broadcast. You yeah, know, whatever. Probably get called out on that one, <laughs> but um, so you know that was the big part about it being unedited. Mm-hmm. We're not going to edit it. Yeah, we're going to sit down and we're going to talk. Yeah, no rules. Yeah, you know, um, we do a little bit of talking before. Yeah, you know, and I did. I also didn't want to timestamp. I did not. It, what bugs me yeah. more than anything about current media, not current media, media in general. It's not media's fault, and I'd love to address that sometime. Yeah. Because it's innate. But, um, hey, Brendan, we have 30 more seconds. Go ahead and tell me right. why. Yeah. And then... It, Wrap up your segment. Yeah. And then... He the, can't do that in 30 seconds. Yeah. That's unless you know he can do it. But, hey, and we only got 15 more seconds, but go ahead and just... Yeah. Well, what a... Yeah. Well, what if he had 30 more minutes? What What could you have told me then? Right. You know, and so, you know, as my mom said, and I started the podcast, I had made her listen to one episode. Mom, did you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, I listened to it. <laughs> listened to all 90 minutes of it. All it was was talking, you oh, know. Yeah, right. She's in, her, she's in her 70s, you know. Yeah. Wasn't her wasn't her bag. Yeah. Yeah. Um. But, you know, they could go for, I think, our, anywhere around an hour. Or, they, as you've seen, they can go three hours. Yeah. You know, you and I are already at uh, an hour and a half. Yeah. Um, so, and that's just it. It's because not every story can be told in, in 30 minutes or one hour. Mm-hmm. And I also don't like, I was on a podcast once. Um, I almost stopped myself, but it doesn't matter. Um, and it was a great podcast. He's a great guy. Mm-hmm. But I... I um, it was edited. Yeah. Not, yeah. not in a yeah. bad way. Yeah, and we talked... Not in a bad way. You mentioned this, yeah. But why edit the audio? Right. If that's what... you know, I think, And I think listeners crave that more and more because I think, you know, look at reality... Why is reality TV so popular? Because we get to be voyeurs. Right. That's, yeah. uh, that's why it makes it so appealing because it's real. Yeah. You know, the first four words are real in right. reality TV. So, you know, I think... If you want to hear that unedited interview with that business owner, that author, or that person who practices alternative religions, mm-hmm. or an ex-creative director, or Tim English, um, you know, it's it's like it's like Joe Rogan. Yeah. And I hate to say that. I don't hate to say that. Um, that'd be a wonderful thing to say. I mean, I would be blessed. But you know, he he does something similar. Mm-hmm. I think he inserts a lot more of his own um, viewpoints. And it's a yeah. lot more back and forth. Yeah. And I think talking to you the other day, you gave me, you, you told me personally you'd like to hear me speak more. Yeah. Which in the, this is the most I've ever spoke. Good. On the podcast. That's why I brought questions. I can tell. Let's do another one. 
Okay. Yeah. Um, Are you going to listen to uh, uh, Yeah, Dude? Yeah. You bet. Well, okay, okay, okay. You said that you paid them money. Now, does this cost? No, it's free. Okay. But if you want to contribute, yeah, so if you if want to you contribute want to support, through Patreon, yeah. Yeah. So if you want to contribute through Patreon, what they do is they allow you early access to episodes. Okay. Vid- the vid- the- they record them and do audio. Um, and you get early access to the video and you get special deals on the merch. Okay. Yeah. Um, but that's about it. Okay. But more than anything, it just. Support. It's just support. You know, yeah. it's $10 a month. Yeah. And it's like, if I can do that, then, you know, yeah. and everyone else can do that, then we can keep these two guys going. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'll definitely, yeah, I definitely plan on listening to them. Especially after as much as you, like, promoted them and, and hyped them up. I'm really excited. You got me excited. You got so. it, you know, and, and it's like, it's like the, it's like the little agency that roars podcast. It's like this podcast. It's hit and miss. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, you may catch, and I hate to say that there's, there are no bad episodes. Right. But some people are going to like other episodes better than others. Yeah. Bottom line. Yeah. Bottom and, line. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, I think that being on like the the promotional side of things, you sh- you definitely experience this all the time. But there are some people that just are better at um, being in the public eye, better at you know um, being kind of storytellers, like re- rather than just you know they're used to their day to day talking. Like, hey, hey, how's it going? Well, I didn't want to make it about me. Yeah. I wanted to make it about other people. Right. And that's the, you know, in the intro, there's a pre-record. I think it's like seven or eight seconds. Yeah. It says, hey, this yeah. is a podcast for beautiful people, or beautiful and talented people. And that's all of us. Yeah. You know, this is not uh, exclusive of any one type of, you know, human. Yeah. Um, uh, and, and you talk about uh, being too close to the product. When it came time to name it and do that logo. Yeah. I'm pointing to the sticker of my podcast. Right. Um, which is the logo you see on the on the podcast uh-huh. placard, but I couldn't even do it. I told Tim and uh, one of my designers, Leah. I said, "What do you think it should be?" It should be a picture of you. I said, "Great, just take one and use one, and don't tell me." Yeah. And here's the name. Yeah. And just pick the one you like, because I was way too close to, to. I looked at a few and I asked. I'm like, "This is the one you guys like?" They're like, "Absolutely, this is who you are." I'm like, "Okay." deal yeah. i was like a client i'm like okay yeah let's let's go yeah let's roll i love that it was a little aggressive at first we were trying to do one a week that became exhausting i yeah <laughs> i i can imagine i can imagine yeah then well you know it was covid it was oh, covid yeah. we wanted to be creative and like i said something lives forever and i think that's where i left off before i i, I tangented myself if yeah. that's a word yeah you can ai that later <laughs> But, um, you know, the goal is that in 50 years, someone's going to come across these episodes. Because yep. as we all know, you put something online, it doesn't go away. Right. And one, I want ad revenue, LaCroix. Yeah, And MeUndies <laughs> and Square and all the other ones. I want ad revenue. Yeah. But I also want to create something that will live forever. Yeah. And that someone, you know, 50 years from now will stumble across your episode. Yeah. You know, your kids maybe. Oh, remember when Grandpa did that old-timey, right. those old-timey pod shows, ha, yeah. ha, ha, you know? Yeah. Um, just something like that. And, and I wanted to do something where I had creative control and not my client. Yeah. That's rare. Because it should be rare. Yeah. I'm in the business of advertising for my clients. It's not about me. Yeah. But having said that, 
20% of the time that you're doing a creative job in advertising, mm-hmm. your client will give you complete autonomy. Yeah. Hey, man, have fun. Have a ball. You know? Right. And that's where you come up with, you know, like 7th Street Casino, for example. Yep. yep. You know, when someone really takes the chains off of you and says, go wild, nothing is off limits. That's, See how far you can go. That's amazing. And then you hit a ceiling, like, okay, that's a little too much, you know, yeah. <laughs> but it's, it's good I hit that ceiling so they know I can hit that, that note. Right. You know? Um, and I have a, I have actually, I have another client that has done the same thing. He said, wow me. Yeah. And I'm totally ready. Yeah. Yeah, I just wrapped that up last week. Um, um, so, yeah, I just wanted something that would live forever and that we could have creative control over. I love that. I, I agree entirely, yeah. That's that's amazing. Um, there was, you know, there was a there was a question that I was gonna ask you, but um, you know, I can't I can't quite think. I know you went to uh, Park Hill, right? No. No. I went to St. Pius. Uh, university. Go Warriors. Sorry, not Park Hill. Park University. Park University. Yeah, yeah, to, yeah. Yes, I went to Park College. It was a college. Yep. Yep. Did not have university status until my fifth or sixth year there. Really? Yes, I said six year. Really? I didn't know it, I didn't know it changed <laughs> like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, it wasn't always a college. Okay. I, I mean, excuse know. me, it wasn't always a university. I didn't know that. Yeah. No, yeah, they got, um, like I said, it was my fifth or sixth year. I was a f- six-year senior because mm-hmm. I was working full-time here at Fasoni. Mm-hmm. It was called Fasoni and Garrett, I think, or Fasoni, Garrett, and Bain at the time. Mm-hmm. And I was going to school at night, so it took me longer to graduate because um, I was doing night classes and summer classes. So, you know, can't carry, can't carry 15 hours that way, really. Yeah. Um, what would you ask me, Brendan? Sorry. I, it wasn't, no, it wasn't a question. We just started getting into how I called it Park, Park Hill. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah they yeah. did, yeah, they got, uh, they got uh, university status around then, and that's when they started doing all that landscaping and spending money on the grounds and mm-hmm. renovating buildings. But. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I know you mentioned, and see, this is, where, this is where I was trying to backstep a little bit. I know when you were talking about your legacy, you mentioned um, something that had to do with um, kind of, you know, talking to people and, and wanting them to, you know, come back and see, um, you know, what, what we're doing here today. And that reminded me. Um, because I wanted to talk to Tim about this. So, yeah, now that I have your attention. Um, he, whenever I f- published my book, um, there was a lot of people that would come up and congratulate me. And I was just kind of like, you know, thank you. But I didn't know how to feel about it because it, it just felt, you know, there, I feel like there's a certain age where, like, you know, you wake up on a holiday and you're like, now it's just another day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was feeling that and I, I was doing research and there was, um, an article from, um, uh, uh, UK magazine and they were talking about how most people that went through tradi- traditional publishers weren't satisfied with their experience because they, the traditional publishers have such a kind of like glorified, um, idea about like being published and like that it will be amazing and you know the actual day whenever it comes you'll have um like a party and and it'll go amazing you'll see the first sales and things like that and you know whenever it came to that time you know they said you know nothing really changed and um 
nothing, nothing really changed. Nothing really happened. You know, you just see a few sales come in and then, um, from then it's just like a waiting game and, and you don't know how to feel about it. And so that's definitely something that I want to, um, that I hope to be able to change for the authors that I'm working with now is to kind nice. of make it more special. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you experience any of that with like your promotion or like, or, you know, do you, do you ever have people that I guess have higher expectations than, you know, like what reality will always be? In advertising? Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Of course you do. Yeah. Okay. Oh, totally. Yeah. Uh, it's more common with new advertisers. Gotcha. And people who aren't as seasoned. Yeah. With spending money on media or who are younger. Yeah. You know, and even even then, um, age aside, a very common question is, what can I expect? Yeah. What can you guarantee me? Mm-hmm. I can't guarantee you anything. Right. You know, but I can tell you after doing this for over 25 years, almost 25 years, yeah. that um, we know what works and what doesn't. Right. Yeah. So it's not a total shot in the dark. Yeah. Do you, do you think that... Um... Managing expectations is... That's 20% of, of what we do. That makes sense. Yeah, no, and that's, that's good because there's a lot of um, high expectations out there. I, I'm willing to bet. Well, a lot of clients are spending a lot of money. Yeah. You know, advertising for most businesses is the largest item on their ledger sheet. Yeah. Bottom yeah. line. Yes. Um, it's not cheap. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> do you have any other questions for me? Yeah. I, I think I went through all my questions for you. You went through all the questions. I was, I'm more excited in your list. Okay, yeah. Um, you know, I, I really... You hit it. I think I did. I think I hit most of my list. So your father, he did a lot of... Um, this wasn't his only business, right? Yes. This was well, it, it, at any one at one time, yes. Right. He had other businesses prior to this, and then he sold them. Correct. He okay. had um, he had the first used record store. Oh, okay. In the Midwest or in Kansas City or both, I don't know. Yeah. It was called Love Records. Okay. Then he sold that to the Music Exchange. Okay. Um, and that was again before your time. It used to be where. Um, what's that bar? L House, Westport L House. Oh, okay. It used to be inside of there. Oh, yeah, we're on Broadway. The music exchange, yeah. He mm-hmm. sold it to them, and prior to that, he owned a modeling agency. Uh, it was called MTC, Model Talent Charm. Uh-huh. He sold that to a woman named Connie Vitali, and then she sold that to a woman named Sean Mullane, who's on the podcast, and it's now called Exposure. Okay, awesome. So, yeah, he started both of those. That's great, yeah. Because I knew that he, after listening to one of your podcasts, and I think it was the one with... Um, with Loy, uh, that I know that he mentioned because they worked together, right? Correct. Loy yeah. was his creative director. Yep. Just a graphic designer for quite some time. Yeah, I remember um, him talking, or, or it was you or him who was talking about like the different companies that your father had kind of owned and sold throughout the Westport area and, and everywhere, and the Kansas City area in general. Yeah, there's been a few of them, and he's yeah, it's. He'll never slow down. Really? Even to this day? No. What does he do now? Does he, I mean, he writes and reads a lot. He writes, he reads. Um, he lives on a lot of land. Okay. Um, he has horses. Oh, okay, yeah. So he's very into horses. Really? Yeah. 
plays a lot of poker, and he's really into horses and poker. Since I've uh, horses, since I've been alive, uh-huh. poker since it became real popular, like about you know, what, twenty to thirty years ago, maybe twenty-ish yeah. years ago. Yeah, when it became real mass, you know, right? Um, consumed. Yeah, were you able to get him any um, any special um, perks for uh, the Seventh Street Casino? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Okay. Well, he's not a slot player. Ah, okay. Well, he's a card player. Oh, okay, 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 okay. Yeah. yeah. There's there's slots only. Yep, yep. Yep, gotcha. Okay. No, he doesn't. Unfortunately, he doesn't get many perks. <laughs> That's unfortunate. <laughs> okay. Yeah. What okay. else, Brandon? Do you have more Brendan, sorry. Do you have more questions for me? Well, uh, Michael, I I you know, I'm I, curious of your color coding. Okay, yeah. So, um, you have orange, yeah, no, blue, I'll... yellow, and pink. Yep, yep. So, um, don't mind this. I actually ran out of uh, these bright colors, so I moved to uh, different oh, okay. colors. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> no so, method there. Yeah, yeah. So, in, in all actuality, these were just kind of like notes. Um, the blue ones were questions for you, um, the yellow or, or yellow slash green, whatever it is. Um, that was just. Um, things that I should keep in mind about like my business, like facts about my business in case that ever came up. And then um, the orange, that was uh, like answers to like personal questions for me. Okay. Yeah. Let me ask you, where do you see yourself when you're my age? Where do you want, where do you want Claremont to be? I want it to be um, successful. What does that mean though? Yeah. Does it um, mean 50 authors? Does it mean 10 really good ones? Does it mean you have a 1,000 offers and you're bigger than Penguin? I mean, what does it mean? I mean, being bigger than Penguin would be amazing. Um, but with all that being said, I, I don't think that I am stone cold enough to be able to sacrifice that much if it meant, like, sacrificing the author's, like, originality and their, like... Um, creative control or like even my own creative control over you know the company so if it if it meant that I would have to sacrifice any of that I don't think I would want to be quite that big but you know of course I would like to find as much success as I can because you know I have um, I would like to make as much of an influence um, as I possibly can not just in the Kansas City area but like also in you know the United States um which Kansas City has done really well the past five, ten years about um, kind of, uh, I don't want to say growing. I mean, it's not like it's getting, like, huge, but, you know, just improving, I guess, as far as, like, you know, um, having support from businesses, you know. Um, of course, it's a huge company, um, but KC Live, um, you know, One Light, Two Light, um, I, f- I forget who who manages them, but, you know. Oh, Cordish? Yeah, Cordish, Cordish, yep. Um, and they've done a lot of stuff for the city. Granted, they're a huge company. and um, well, city did a lot for them, too. Yeah, no, no doubt, no doubt. Um, but just in general, like the city market, I think things that are starting to build up, and, you know, I think it'd be really cool to be able to contribute to that. And to leave a legacy. To leave a legacy, yeah. That's See, it. yeah, time. Yeah, well, yeah, we do. Y- you do. Okay, well, what about the, um, we don't have to get into this yet, but. 
We, we can talk about your date after the podcast. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, you're going to leave a legacy. Am I? Yeah. I mean, I mean, clearly, we're already on a podcast that was started by the Michael Fasoni. Well, right. Yeah. So this is it. This is, this is the start to your legacy. You can only go up. Well, true. It just can't continue much. I mean, it can, but not under, you know, my name. That doesn't mean I won't meet someone and maybe they have children and maybe their children get into it. Perfect. That'd be just as good for me. Yeah. You know, but in terms of generation to generation yeah. to, no, it's going to stop it from generation to generation because there isn't, you know. I hear what you're saying. Yeah. And that's not a, a huge deal. No. I mean, yeah, no, I understand what you're saying though. Like it's definitely something that I think. More men than women think. You have about. to keep in mind that if I had a child today. Yeah. Okay. By the time they're old enough to even work in the industry. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. By the time they're out of college, I'm yeah. already retired. Right. So then right. I have to teach them the industry while I'm a senior citizen. Yeah. And it, that's probably not ideal for either of us. Yeah. You know what? That takes me back to, uh, was it Billy But Madden? But again, that doesn't mean that I can't meet someone. Right. Who has young children. Right. And maybe maybe she has children and they're really into graphics or they're really into writing or they really yeah. like the business side or they like accounting. Yeah. Because in advertising, there's all three of those. Yeah. I have an accountant, only works with numbers, doesn't touch design. We have media who just works with media outlets all day and doesn't work with design. We have design that works with design and production and print and video and all day and doesn't touch media. And, you know, and so there's something for everyone. That doesn't mean... And I hope, you know, I think they'd be great to meet somebody and have them have children that were interested in the business. Yeah, that that'd would be, be. That'd be a gift. That'd be amazing. You know, and especially, um, and it would have to work that way in order for that, like I just unpacked, for the logistics to make sense. Right. In other words, I have to, you know, maybe one day give it to my employees or do something like that or, yeah. you know, do a profit sharing or something. I don't know. How many employees do you have, Michael? Right now we have 10 full-time. 10 full-time. Two part-time. Uh-huh. And then I'm sure you have just a network of just, you know, people that are willing to work on contract, question mark? Mm. No? Well, we have a lot of vendors. We outsource. Gotcha. I mean, yeah. you outsource based on what you you need for the job. Right. You know, every job's different. Right. Um, and they require different crews, different cameras, different values, different budgets. Yes. Different budgets. Yes. So, LaCroix. you know. LaCroix. that's right um well i don't pay for the budget you know i don't pay for the creative my client does but yes Lacroix, if you're listening (laughs) yeah i haven't heard you on the podcast yet you could sponsor this one right um but yeah i mean that would be that'd be great okay yeah that is really cool um how many has it always been in general the same size even when your father owned it no no he had it up to i think almost 30 people at once okay Yeah. yeah It was, um, it was, it, it was, was a very big, small agency. Yeah. And it was, it was a popular, I feel like that was a, a very popular time for advertising then too, especially. It, it always is. It, yeah. As my father would tell you, it's never not unpopular. True. Um, yeah. I'll say one thing that has changed, especially in Kansas city is yeah. your competition. Really? Oh yes. There are so many more a- agencies now than there were when I started mm. and um, even some of the bigger agencies are taking on what would have been small clients for them, but they, they would have passed on. Yeah, I past. believe that. I believe that. Do you have a, um, how's your network? Like that, that's something that I'm curious about. Cause I'm always trying to grow my network. Is it, 
do you gain most of your like contacts that you utilize if you use any just through jobs that you've done yes because i'm always not always i'm mostly working with the same individuals Mm -hmm. so you know there's I'll say three to four production houses I work with, three yeah. to four photographers I work with, mm-hmm. three to four print companies, you know, for print for f- f- uh, fulfillment, in other words. Yeah. Um, so you're, you're kind of always working with the same individuals, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. I want to talk to you about your print companies afterward. Okay. Yeah. Um, Tim, do you have any other questions for me? Um. Not, not that we have to get into. Okay. I mean, not, not in this like, podcast. Really, Material. Okay. All right. No. Okay. We want to wrap it up? Yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah. Well, let's shake hands and get out of here. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, I appreciate Brandon. it. Yeah. Good job. Thank you. Almost two hours. Thanks for listening to the Little Agency That Roars podcast. Be sure to find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on fasonipartners.com under podcast. Be sure to subscribe, be sure to like, and leave a review. If you want to submit an interview or submit yourself for an interview, please email roar at fasonipartners.com. That's R-O-A-R at fasonipartners.com. Thanks.